And it's really always the first time that is the scariest. I think for people who are trying to express themselves more, it's really taking that little first step. It's like opening the ceremony circle. Welcome to Full Circle with Lika, a place of self-expression and holistic exploration of the human experience. I am honored to welcome you on this journey towards liberation, joy, and freedom. Make yourself comfortable as we dive deep into spirituality, mindset, self-development, and random stories filled with life lessons. Let's step together in that space where we get to unleash our own magic. You are in for a treat with the episode of today, because today I had Mathilde on the podcast. That was a moment of pure bliss and presence. She shared with us her journey. She is a fascinating, captivating, magnetic human being. I don't even know if I truly, truly believe she is a human being. I feel like she's an alien, <laughs> a cosmic being embodied in, in a beautiful vessel here on earth. I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I enjoyed my time with Mathilde creating this vortex of inspiration. I hope it will inspire you to be more of you, to be unapologetic and to drop deep, deep down in your body. I also have one-on-one spot for mentoring and coaching with me to explore your divine essence, to awaken the goddess and to unleash your own magic, to really be unapologetic and to heal whatever needs to be healed. When you work with me, we work on mindset, spirituality, the body, and also the energy. It's a beautiful container that we get to create, co-create together for your growth, your transformation, your ascension, so that you can magnetize to you and make all your dreams. I read this today, die with memories, not with dreams. And I'm like, yes, hell yes. Let's be alive. Let's explore different facets of us. In any of my container, I invite everyone to fully accept themselves, to accept also the dark and the humanness. We work a lot with spirituality and growth and mindset and changing your life and bringing more love and compassion, but without rejecting any part of you, without rejecting the dark without rejecting your human self because you are a soul in a body you're not trying to be an angel so that's really the lens through which I explore with my clients I also offer Reiki healing sessions so we work with the energy it can be very good to have a good reset and a profound transformation to clear up all your energy channels within your body and within your system. I also offer some yoga and embodiment sessions. So we mix movement, breath, sound and dance and yoga all together to explore your body and to really, really feel good. <laughs> and each month there is some woman's circle where we get to be our full self and connect with like-minded sister and to move through different exercise. We meditate, we dance, we share, we love, we love ourselves and we love others and it's a beautiful space to be in. I always invite my beautiful goddess to come exactly as they are. I think that's the catchphrase of McDonald's. <laughs> um, yeah, I have some very good reference, isn't it? 
we get to play with different archetypes when we gather, we get to play with ourselves and we get to heal and connect and really love and be free. I'm not gonna say more. You can click the link in the show notes. And I wish you a beautiful episode with Mathilde. Welcome, welcome to a new episode of Full Circle with Lika. Today I am with Mathilde. Welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to have you as well. You are an artist. Your life is just pure art and you're the embodiment of art and you express your art through acting. You're an actress. You're also a singer. You're also a cosmic being. You're like this magnetic <laughs> creator. I would love for you to introduce yourself. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take in a reflection first, you know, like really taking it in because everyone has a different way of seeing me, you know, so I'm enjoying receiving your reflections and the words you use to describe me. And yes, um, you know what? I've always found the question of introducing yourself and of the identity really fascinating. And when I was a kid, I found it really weird, this question of identity. I thought it was, it felt like just an illusion when I was a kid and a teenager. It's only when I grew older that I learned to play with the idea of identity and to play with different archetype and to play with crafting your personality and playing with it, knowing that it is kind of all an illusion. And that's what makes it super fun because I feel like I can... I can use so many archetypes. So at the moment, um, I think I identify definitely with the archetype of the actress and it's also my profession. Um, I've recently moved into music to like singing and creating music. So I'm moving more in the archetype of the musician, the performer. Um, I also very much identify with the archetypes of the witch and the shaman and I bring this into my art and in the way I make art um, and recently I also did a lot of writing it in screenplays also in books um, so the words writer and author came to my field and I'm playing with those um, I think I'm also playing with the idea of leadership and being a leader and having a voice so yeah, these are all the all the labels of archetypes that I'm playing with at the moment. You know, usually when I have a guest, I have a very long presentation. Like I know how I see them. But for mm -hmm. you, it's like, and I never really ask them to introduce themselves. I usually do the introduction. But for you, it's like, I'm so curious to know because I feel like you're so good at shape shifting and just playing with your identity and not being attached to it. And I really mean it when I say like you're this magnetic, fascinating being and you're like, you know, <laughs> like you create this curiosity within me of like, who is she? Who is this person? Oh, I <laughs> love that. I love who, that. Who is she going to be today? <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I'm also... Um, I'm also fascinated by how we evolve as humans. And when I look back at my life, I've evolved and changed so much. And so when changes happen in my life, sometimes it's a little bit scary. And sometimes I choose curiosity. And I think that's what's allowed me over the years to make so many changes. So I grew up in France. And then um, 
when I was uh, 17, 18, I left my parents' house to study. And then I, I went to live in Madrid in Spain. And then I left Madrid and then I went to live in Australia for a while, for eight years. And then I came to live in LA. And so that's just one example of the changes I've made. And every time it hasn't, it hasn't been so scary because I was just so curious about what was going to happen and who I was going to become and changing land, using the land as a portal to discover myself and to be new versions of myself has been so exciting that it's it's been more powerful than the fear of change you know and like the ego death that have been um happening through it as well does it make sense yeah definitely i please guide us through that there's layers of transformation when did it started how many deaths did you experience i want to know all of it how much you've changed and how you went from living in france and so i did my research um okay <laughs> i did my research uh you did a business school uh i think or something mm -hmm. like that and you also work in mm -hmm. corporate so how mm -hmm. did you went from this archetype let's say this life to um last time we spoke you were like yeah that's what i do i just lead a pussy gazing workshop at burning man um, <laughs> yeah, <I did> that. <laughs> um so please what is fill up the gap <laughs> okay i will oh my god the pussy gazing workshop was so amazing oh i'll have i'll have to talk about it remind me if i forget Definitely. but um Yeah, I grew up and I was I was I was loving the arts when I was a kid and a teenager. You know, I loved painting, drawing, dancing, playing with the camera, all of that. And then as a teenager, it became it became obvious that it wasn't going to be a, a career for me because in France it's not very well regarded when you're good at school to want to go do something in the arts. When you're good at school, you study science and math and you go to like um what they call high intensity prep schools after high school and you prepare for like business school exams and you become the elite or whatever, you know? And well, I guess that's what I did, you know? Um, when I was a teenager at some point, I had literally posters of actresses all over my walls, all over my ceiling, on the door, on each side. You could not see like a piece of the wall. It was everywhere. And so... Everyone was quite interested by it. And every time we had guests over, they would talk about it. They were like, oh my God, it's crazy. Um, and then one day I heard my parents and they were like, oh, she's going to grow up one day. Like if it was like a kid thing. And I remember in that moment, something shifted in me. Um, I think my subconscious took over and the narrative that I wasn't conscious of back then was, oh, I want to be an adult. I want to be respected by my parents. I want to be loved and taken seriously and blah, blah, blah which is like a danger zone. And then I think a couple of weeks later, everything was removed from my bedroom and I literally suppressed this really creative aspect of me. And it was quite, um, like the reasons behind it were quite subconscious. So it took me a lot of time to undo. And so um, from then on, I, I was just studying at school. I was really good at it. And I went on to do... Um, studies in business school in a really good business school in France I did a bachelor of applied mathematics on the side because I liked math like I was a nerd you know um I wasn't really a nerd but like 
I, I studied nerdy things like you know math and finance and all that stuff and um and you know I liked it but I really didn't love it so at some point after going to Spain and deciding to go to Australia I had a bit of a crisis um and the real self came out and um I think moving to Spain and moving to Australia helped me a lot because by moving to Australia I was able to um, how to say to remove all the extreme sensory stimulation that was in France because France can be quite intense sometimes um, and you know Paris can be quite intense my family could be quite intense and by moving into Australia I was able to create my bubble and to hear myself um, and I remember one day um, I was in the bathroom. It was after a day at work, working in consulting for Deloitte. And I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh, like, it's so weird, this body we have. And, and I was like, it, it's so weird, this face, it doesn't feel like me. And so I was literally seeing myself in the mirror and thinking, wow, that's not me, you know? And that's when I realized that I was really, that my soul was really disconnected from my body. And there was something not right, you know, and um, and from then uh, I had like a big journey of rediscovering myself and diving in and healing some traumas and doing yoga and realigning everything. And um, yeah, that was pretty intense. Um, there were there were times where I was really depressed. Um, and then one morning. I woke up after like a crazy night, a crazy corporate night of like doing cocaine and going to bed at actually not going to bed and finding myself at 6am in my bed and being like, oh my God, this has to stop. I want to be happy. And that was like such a powerful shift. Literally my entire frequency and my entire energy shifted that day. And I feel like it's the day where I committed to life and committed to my life does it make sense mm, committed to my life wow yeah because I had the feeling that we are we're born in this world you know and our human self is never asked do you want to be in this world you know we just are and we're living and there is never like a real decision point where you're like yes I want this like a commitment you know what I mean and one day I was talking with my partner and we were brainstorming ideas for like dystopian tv series and we thought wouldn't it be interesting if there was a world in which when you turn 18 the celebration would be you decide that you can live or that you can die you just decide you're an adult you decide do i want this life or do i want to try another one the next one kind of thing um and so that's a moment like that that i had where i was like i want to commit to life i want to do this life i'm going to make the best out of it like let's let's do it you know let's discover myself and fucking do it and that was like a life-changing moment sounds like a almost an easy process but I guess there were also a lot of assistance or fear or doubt yeah so that transformation actually um all the transformations have been different and this one was it was hard before and then when the choice happened there was like you said there was an ease in it because it was such a strong choice it was almost like a survival reaction right yeah. so there was something easy in it that projected me to like some levels of like joy and divine joy and compassion and and there was a lot of work and healing in it but I had this 
bedrock of, of this choice that was really lifting everything, you know? So the commitment was the energy that was supporting everything and helping me do the work. And in a sense, the work was easier to do because of that, because I had this very strong decision that I had made and that had changed my frequency, really like made my frequency go high up there. When you started doing the work and the healing, what did you do? <laughs> well, I started yourself. getting a lot. Actually, I started getting a lot, um, doing a lot of things like, um, I mean, I was already doing a lot of things like um, yoga, meditations, and I was going to, um, I was starting doing my, my moon ceremonies and um, exploring my inner witch and going to Burning Man every year, doing a lot of healing at different workshops, things like that. But the main thing actually was um, going into acting. Mm. That was the main, the main healing. And um, it came one day where I was, I was scrolling on Instagram and I was seeing like, a few actresses and then I had this light bulb moment that sounds silly but I was like oh my god they're humans <laughs> and I was like oh duh and so I guess I must have put them on a pedestal to make it unreachable to make it make sense for my soul that I didn't go for that and that I went to study business you know and so I think that was the moment that I realized oh duh like those people that are humans I'm a human well let's go do that and you know If like a like a profound and silly moment at the same time and then the next day I went on a set like as a background extra to see how it was and I had this like big moment of grace where time was like slowing down and I was looking at everyone and I thought oh wow that that's where I'm supposed to be and from then on I um I went into the the acting thing and did the work in that space how was that it was so good like oh my god Acting actually became um, my spiritual practice. And it's funny because I'm surrounded by people in the spiritual world and healers, like people who do that as a profession. And, um, and I feel like what we learn in acting is so close to all the things that I've seen in the spiritual world. We learn to be in connection with our breath and our body. We learn to know about our traumas, about our limitations. We need to know everything about ourselves because we are our own instrument. And we learn to study people. Um, and so it's been deeply spiritual. I've been in acting training where we, we learned to make energy imprints in the room, uh, in the room we we're going to perform in. So we would go in a specific spot. And if it was if the part of the scene that was happening in that spot was joyful, we would like be imprinting joy in that space. And in another space, we would be imprinting sadness. And then as we performed, when we moved into the space, we could feel the energy that we built there. And then the emotion would come and that would make the acting easier. So there was a lot of energy work and also working with archetypes as well and literally working with magic like to be honest like the work of acting is like working with magic I find it's shape-shifting it's calling in different parts of yourself different people I just feel like I'm I'm, I'm being a I'm being a magician which in the cosmos when I'm acting sometimes what is the connection between your spiritual journey and the acting is it they do they work together do one support the other one or are they one of the same to me they're almost one of the same and 
to me, they use the same tools. The way I approach my acting, I approach it um, as a healing ceremony as well. So even when I watch a film, I approach it as a healing ceremony. Sometimes I, I try to be aware of how I react to it and if there is something in it for me and if I get triggered by something. And, and in my acting as an actress, I use a lot of my spiritual tools and I use a lot of prayers and rituals and also all those things. Does it make sense? Yeah. Can you share with us some rituals that you love? I do different things like last time I did a film I built I built my little altar for the film you know um, with different elements that made me think of the film and the character um, other times I do I do visualization and meditation where I imagine that the the character has a soul and I try to connect to that and so I would go drumming and try to connect to that soul and bring it back in my body and do this cosmic shape-shifting work. And it's just so much fun. Um, yeah, those are the last two that I've done recently. The other thing as well is um, in terms of joining the spiritual life and the acting life is that acting in itself was really healing for me because I learned to know myself so much more I learned to be seen um, I learned to be connected to my body um, which I believe are some things that one does when they go on a spiritual path and they try to heal and so for me a lot of those things happen through the acting portal if that makes sense rather than through hiring a coach it's like through going acting that those practices came into my life mm. In which way do you, like, because from an outside perspective, we can think, I don't think that anymore, but being a kid, I was like, oh, you're just like acting, you're playing someone else. And you're just saying the opposite, like, you need to know yourself. You need to accept to be seen. You need to know your traumas, your limitations, to you know everything about yourself. So how does that play? It's funny because in the acting world, some people see sometimes two different styles or two different techniques. And I think in the end, they're one and the same. It's just, where is the entry point? And I've heard some actors say, oh, I'm shy. I don't like being seen. That's why I like playing a character in this way. People don't see me. And in my opinion, even if you play a character, I'm seeing you. You're playing the character. Like, no one else would play this character in this way. This is your expression. You think it's not you because it's not the version you use every day in everyday life, but it is still you. It's just a different facet that you've created, but I'm still seeing you through it. Does it do, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like if you and I were asked to play the same character from the same script, it would be radically different, radically different. Um, so first of all, yeah, I, I think that, and I think... Some people approach acting through the idea of I'm going to play a different character. And some people approach acting through the idea of I'm going to find myself in this character. I'm going to find where I, Mathilde, live in this character. And it sounds like two different things, but I believe they are the same thing. I actually believe they are the same thing. It's just like what narrative we prefer to have in our head. And so I use a little bit of both, but... Um, I definitely think as an actor, you're being seen. So when you're on film, the camera is right in your face and people see your eyes. And even if you're trying to hide or play a character, people see in your eyes 
And I also think that if I try to hide, my acting isn't good because then I'm in my head thinking about hiding instead of being connecting with the other person. And personally, one of the things I like the most in acting is really this deep presence like being so present with the other actor and you're, I'm in this bubble and there's nothing else around and I'm focusing on the other person with deep listening, deeply listening to what they're saying, letting it land on me and letting my impulses uh, make me react. And so in order to do that type of acting, I have to be really open and really willing to be seen because I don't know exactly how I'm going to react or what I'm going to say you know what I mean I try to stay open to what's going to happen and that I believe that can only happen if if I'm willing to be seen what does that mean to you being seen being seen it means that I'm not thinking about hiding or I'm not thinking about having a specific impact on people um what else does it mean let me feel it there's a sense of freedom for me being seen means being free i think being seen you know being free it means being free because if you if you get to be seen you're free like you have nothing to hide you can totally be yourself. I feel like I can totally, I'm saying you, but I mean, I, I can totally be myself if I'm willing to be seen. Were you hiding a lot before being an actress, before finding your path? Well, I don't think so. I think it was unconscious. I think there's a part of my soul that wasn't there, that didn't feel like it was in my body. So I felt like there was a part of my soul that had told to go away. That part wasn't being seen. It wasn't expressing itself through me um in terms of who I was for example in business school I've always been quite a social person always with everyone um I was showing my emotions when I was younger though I was hiding um I was hiding my emotions sometimes because I felt like they weren't welcome and so then I was trying to hide them because people kept saying they didn't want to hear them so I was trying to contain them but then they would explode so there was a lot of hiding there definitely Mm -hmm. trying to contain emotions inside and yeah and through the acting you can express a lot of emotions like this is a place of expression that's beautiful totally it's totally like I can totally express all, all my emotions and it's such a safe space it's uh it's so beautiful it's very healing And that's why I was saying, I think the more I know myself, the better my acting is because I can use my instrument better. If I know my triggers, I can trigger myself into a state when I'm acting or um, if I know that something is sensitive to me, um, I'm going to use it. Can you give us an example of that? An example. um, Okay, so in February, March, I did a film and exactly around the same time, I had, a, I had a fight with my partner. And during the film, I was doing a scene where the woman was having a psychedelic trip and she was having a, a really rough journey th- through the trip. And she was remembering that her, her husband um, died because they both jumped off a cliff for fun. 
and he died um, because he was heavier and he touched the, the ground and he died. And she pushed him to, to jump because she wanted to have fun. She was the fun one and he was more reserved and, you know, and so he passed away. And so she remembers that through the psychedelic trip. And at some point um, she has emotions come up and um, like sadness, I mean, and at that time, in the few days before I had a fight with my partner, I, I can't remember um, what, but I was feeling very vulnerable about my relationship. And so while I was, when I was acting, I didn't even try to use it. I normally don't really um, try to use trauma too much, but it came up because the situation was so similar. So the emotions of my real life with my real partner came up and so I started crying. And so that's where I'm saying, I need to be able to be seen because no one knew that those, those emotions were real and they were like half the film and a half real. No one knew, but I knew. So if I'm scared of being seen, well, those emotions wouldn't come because I would completely close off because I wouldn't want everyone to see how vulnerable I feel about my own relationship and my own life, right? And so, um, yeah, I, I let... I let this come through and being seen through it and having all the emotions and cry and and yeah and then and then we went to do another take and it was different and um and I, I really loved it um because it felt it felt really smooth in a way because I was letting it happen does it make sense yeah it's beautiful mm. going back to the pussy gazing workshop at Burning Man. Oh. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the pussy gazing workshop. Um, it was so amazing. How, oh, it was so how do fun. you come to a point where you, you, you say to yourself or it happens that you are leading a pussy gazing workshop at Burning Man? Well, you know, there's the idea of um, there is not hiding and there's also leading. And so sometimes I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily hiding, but I also wasn't proactively putting myself out there, you know? Um, and I wanted to do more of that. And I had been going to Burning Man for, I think, five years in the same camp. And that year I decided I'm going to change camp. I'm going to go to a camp called Naked Heart. And that's a camp where they do all the, all the cool workshops, to be honest, all the emotional workshop, the spiritual workshop, the, the sexual workshop, like all the all the amazing stuff and um I signed up for this camp and I watched the intro video of uh, of the camp lead and he said this is a camp about the divine feminine and the divine feminine expression supported by the divine masculine and we really encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and to lead a workshop even if you don't need workshops just do it you know and let let yourself follow your intuition you don't need to prepare that much just have your topic and just go for it. And he also said, do something that you've never done in the default world because Burning Man and Naked Heart is a, is a place where we test the ideas for the future. So come do something that you've never done in the default world, try it, um, and then maybe you'll bring it back in your life. And I was like, okay. And at that time, I was listening to an Australian podcast by Juliet Allen. She's a sexologist. And she was talking about cock worshipping and pussy worshipping and pussy gazing and all those things and I was like okay I'm just gonna do a pussy gazing workshop and so I had never done it before 
I decided to do that at Burning Man. Like 80 women came into this big dome. And so I led 80 women for an hour to brace together, to take off their clothes, to look at each other's pussy and to like tell each other what they love about it, what they find beautiful. And it was such a mind-blowing experience. It was so powerful. Like everyone in the room was so heart open. They were crying. They were saying it's so healing. Oh, wow. It was a really powerful sisterhood moment and deeply healing for so many people. And I hadn't realized the power of it. It was my first time doing it. And I felt so um, grateful for that moment. And I also felt like um, I was grateful for myself that I did it and I was able to give this experience to people. Because the night before, I think I went out and I was so tired that morning. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to go to my workshop. Uh." And and I did it. And then I was like, Mathilde, I'm so glad you did it. Imagine if you didn't do it, you would have robbed those people of this beautiful experience that they had. I mean, they did it. I was just saying a few words with my mic, but they did the work, you know, and um, it was so beautiful. And I think it opened a portal for me to share my voice more in different ways and, and to be more of a leader. And how did it feel to, to step into your leadership role? And even if you can tell us, what does it mean to you? Because I feel like being a leader can be loaded with a lot for a lot of people what is it loaded with um you think or for you what what have you heard I, I love feminine leadership and i consider myself a leader as well and i was asking this woman um one of the guests and she was like you know i don't really like the world leader because i feel it's very like masculine and almost like um a lot of you know loaded with hierarchy and and, and mm. almost domination and I feel like for me, mm. that was also, you know, to me, that was like <laughs> the CEO of Coca-Cola, you know, Jérôme with his, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, tied in suit. And, and that was what I was presented. I also did a business school mm. also. Uh, and, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was, was a, what I was presented with uh, before I learned and I could just tap into my authority and decide what a leader and what leadership means to me but I would love to hear from you yeah um I actually don't see it like that um because I think I was never I was actually never interested in leadership when I saw leadership like that and I'm, I'm kind of realizing that right now when I was um younger um a teenager and also when I started studying you know, in the corporate world, or even at school, people were talking about being a director or being a leader. And I was like, it was never something I wanted to do. I never wanted to be the person that leads other people and is above people. Like I was like, I I really don't give a shit. Like that sounds so boring. Um, And I didn't like that. And actually, when I was in the corporate world, I quit at the level where you start becoming really a leader Uh, I was managing my team and a a bunch of people and the way that it was done because of the the structure I was in it started becoming boring and I didn't like it because for me that's not when I say I'm a leader that's not what I mean um so thank you for the question um I think for me it means putting myself out there leading myself in my life um 
putting myself out there in the world proactively. Um, I think it also means for me having beliefs and having an opinion and a point of view and having beliefs that I lead myself by and that results then in, a, in an expression of myself that people can consume, let's say, or receive. Um, and I think in the world leader, I see an idea of sovereignty and something where I'm clean and not too sticky or no toxicity pulling me in different ways. So I think that's how I see it for myself right now. I see it as this kind of clean expression and proactive sharing of my voice supported by some beliefs that I have. That's exactly what happened in, in that workshop in Burning Man. You were saying like, in a sense, it was all about you and it has nothing to do with you because it was you mm. being like, I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to step up. I'm going to do it. But at the end of the day, it's it's not about you. It's about the, the people in the room that you serve, that you gifted your presence with. And I think I can also be leading when I'm not... Um doing what is called leading in the physical dimension so even if I wasn't the person with the mic um, facilitating the workshop I still believe I can be a leader and in my um, vibration of being my own leader you know what I mean so um, for example if I was participating in a workshop I still believe I could be a leader because I'm if I'm leading myself through it Um, and by that, I don't mean like I'm giving myself the, the directions, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like it's this, this, you know what I mean? Like I'm still listening to the facilitator and taking in what they're saying, but I mean, this feeling that I'm, uh, that I'm suffering in my life and that I'm leading myself through my life that I've committed to and, uh, and that I'm receiving this gift that the facilitator is giving me and I'm still a leader through it. You yeah, know? grounded in your in your own being, leading yourself. Yeah, yeah. So what happened after that? You said, you know, you said the video presentation was about. Uh, maybe you can bring it home. What did you bring home from that experience? From the Burning Man experience, you mean? Mm -hmm. What did I bring home? Um, I did another. I did two workshops actually at Burning Man, and. Um, What did I bring home? Um, I think I felt um, I felt a deeper sense of showing up and showing up for the world because for the two workshop the nights before I was out and I was really tired in the morning. And so I had like, uh, I want to stay in bed or then I was like, I don't have the post-it notes and, and the pens, you know, like the fake self-sabotage excuses. Like I can't do my workshop. I don't have the post-it notes. Um, <laughs> and then Bradley, my partner was at Burning Man with me. And so he found me all the supplies and he was so supportive. And I was like, thank you. I don't want to go. <laughs> But I did them and it was, it was so fabulous. Um, so I think what I brought home was a sense of showing up. Um, let me reflect on it for a second because it was a while ago. Mm. a sense of exploration as well that um it was so much fun to explore different parts of myself um and going back to being seen I hadn't I really followed the guidelines of, it, of the camp lean and I, I didn't prepare 
what I was going to say, what I was going to do. I put the topic and I had like three bullet points and that's it. And I flowed through it. And to me, it felt like a, um, like when I'm acting and I'm in the moment and it feels a little bit dangerous and I don't know what's going to happen next. And I have to follow my intuition and, and being seen through it. So it was a deeper layer of being seen. Um, and then more confidence as well, because I went into a space that was really vulnerable and I was holding those 80 women in something that was very vulnerable where they removed their clothes and were looking at each other's pussy. And, um, and um, I felt really blessed by the experience. I received a lot of love out of it as well. So um, I think it made me drop deeper into receiving too in, 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 my, in my yin receiving energy. Mm. yeah for sure yeah, that was really cool i haven't done it in the default world um i don't i don't really um aspire to do to do that to lead workshops or to be in the healing space as a profession um but doing it at burning man once in a while is really fun for me mm. yeah so going back to the default world uh <laughs> You know, what really inspires me about you is this ability to really be the embodiment of being an apologetic because a lot of people are talking mm. about it, are, but you don't talk about that. You are that, like you're doing your thing and there is mm. really this sovereignty that you were talking about that comes through. Mm. What would be your advice for someone that would love to 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 explore that, to, to explore this part of themselves and to just be them and to go to Burning Man and lead pussy gazing workshops and, and do these kind of things. But there is still a lot of resistance and maybe to someone that doesn't have this, I, I feel from you, this desire mm -hmm. to be in the challenge, to be like in the unknown and like, I don't care, I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> there's this warrior like i'm not afraid bring it to me kind of vibe <laughs> there is a little bit of that yeah hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> how would you advise someone that maybe doesn't have that naturally or or how to cultivate that and you know i still cultivate it and because a lot of people see me as um they reflect to me that I'm very free and that I express myself and that I don't give a shit. I, and some of my friends in Australia, sometimes um, when they would need to ask something to someone or do something a bit weird, they were always like, Mill, you go, you know, cause you know, cause you can do it, <laughs> you know? Um, and the thing is that I still work on that. And um I think I need to mention that because sometimes people think, oh, it's just, it's just who I am and it's just natural. And I think at all levels of expression, I still work on it. And so one example is um, I started doing earlier this year, a morning routine where I was doing Kundalini and I was doing a Soba Kriya, it's called. Um, and there is a movement in the middle where you literally punch your fist in the sky and you, you scream, God, you really have to say it from your from your diaphragm you know so you have to resonate and say god 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 for like at least three minutes and so i was doing my morning routine and i was determined to do it every day and one day i couldn't do it and i was on the road and i was like no matilde if you don't do it today i'm opening the door 
to like excuses and then not doing my routine. So I've got to do it. And so I stopped on the side of the road and I was like, all right, I'm in the middle of the road on the footpath. There's houses everywhere, people. I'm going to go for it and do my Kundalini. And so I started chanting like, you know, the, all the chants of the Kundalini. And then I was punching in the air, God, God, God. And that was a little bit edgy because people were looking at me weird. Um, and I just did it. And that was a powerful moment because then it really opened that door where now I can do Kundalini anywhere. And so back home, I started doing my Kundalini practice in the park next door. And so there's literally everyone working around. Um, a bunch of neighbors come to see me and they asked me to stop. Um, the cops came two or three times and they were like what are you doing we've had complaints and I'm like I'm doing yoga and they thought I was like a religious fanatic because because of the word god <laughs> and the screaming and punching in the air and I was like it's just yoga I got a little bit stoked by the park ranger she really wasn't cool she would like park her four-wheel drive right next to me and watch me do my kundalini routine and one day she came to me and she said could you please put your top back on because I was doing squats after it and I was wearing a bra and I was like no and she said well it's not a sports bra if it was a sports bra you could but I was like no thank you so much I'm gonna go back to my routine um and then I pulled out my phone and started recording the scene and she left and she was really nice once I pulled out, pulled out my phone but I think what I'm trying to say is that um what allowed me to be so fearless with this crazy kundalini even though the cops were coming the neighbors were coming like everyone was being really annoying about it and wanting to shut me down what allowed me to do that was that very first decision the very first day where I was like okay I'm gonna try and it's really always the first time that is the scariest and so I think for people who are trying to express themselves more um, and I was telling that to a friend it's really taking that little first step and for me it's like it's like opening the ceremony circle. If expressing myself is a ceremony, if, for example, I want to do more singing, let's say I'm going to see it as a singing activation ceremony. And to open the container, I need to take one baby step. And so I need to go do that little bit of singing in front of someone. And then that's it. The circle is open and shit is going to happen in the circle, right? But I've already opened the circle. So for me, it's like the most powerful step, the very first baby one. And so I would invite everyone to try and do that. Take just a tiny, tiny step, you know? And I feel like I do that all the time. Recently, I wanted to be more in my sensuality and my sensual body. And I was like, okay, what portal can I use to activate that? And I was just like, I'm going to put a story on Instagram when I'm like super sensual and dancing super sexy and being in my underwear. And then boom, that opens the portal. And now can just do that all the time anywhere i could listen to yeah. the stories all day this is <laughs> this is the fascination part that i was mentioning in the beginning of the introduction it's like when we look at you it's like what is she doing what is she gonna do today i want to know i want to really? eat from that <laughs> i i remember i was actually i had the desire to bring up this story about you doing a kundalini in the park and, and like being seen in that way because you also mm. mentioned one day that by doing that you actually had people coming and being like hey we do kundalini as well which you know it, it really shows that when you really do the things that you want to do when you're really being yourself 
That's how mm-hmm. you attract your tribe. Like that's something we hear a lot in the spiritual world, right? Attract yeah. your tribe by being yourself and stuff. But what does it actually mean? It's like you're not mm-hmm. gonna be afraid to to be annoyed by the cops and the people in the park, and you're just gonna do your kundalini practice and and there there are gonna be people triggered by that in both mm-hmm. ways in a in a way mm-hmm. that you know it disturb people and but also it's gonna attract to you people that resonate with that yeah that was the perfect example of attracting your tribe because lots of people were against it very clearly and then um some people came to me a few people my neighbor came three people came to me um my neighbor came and then we ended up doing sound bath in the in the morning in the park together another neighbor from uh, from the building across the road she came and she used to run festivals and she does some epigenetic stuff some amazing things and then she did a human design reading for me and then one day I came home and there was an older woman waiting almost at my door. And she was like, I love your Kundalini practice. I've been waiting to meet you. Uh, we are a Kundalini community. Um, you should come, blah, blah, blah. And so I was amazed by it. Like the, yeah, be yourself and find your tribe. That's the perfect example. It was polarizing. Half of the people hated it and half of the people loved it. And um, I think one other thing that helped me is to realize that when people have a reaction to me when they're pissed off or they're angry or whatever that a lot of the times if 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 I'm good if I feel good about my actions I feel like I feel aligned I feel like I'm not doing anything wrong I'm not hurting people on purpose like I feel good about it I'm just expressing myself um then whatever people feel is not my responsibility and so it was a work of trying to silence this uh, this dependency where when someone feels something negative because of me, I want to make them feel better. I want to be nice to them and tender with them and fix the problem or like, you know, whatever comes up, um, I had to detach myself from it and be like, okay, well, cool. This is your reaction. You you do you. You're having a negative reaction to my thing. Cool. Like go go be you, go process your thing and you know, without wanting to be responsible for everyone's feelings. But that could only come after a deep phase of um, building a lot of self-love and compassion and having compassion for people. Because I think doing that without the compassion is sometimes just rejecting people, you know? Whereas now it's really coming from a place of like, oh no, you're also a sovereign being. And I'm, I'm actually, like the park ranger was triggered by me being in my bra. I'm actually not responsible and I have nothing to do with your trigger so I'm going to continue exercising in my bra and you go do you you know and in the end also when people get triggered by me it might activate something in them like she was pissed off that I was in my bra well who knows maybe maybe now two months later she's she's liberated something in her you know so I never know what it can create in people so I think sometimes if I intervene and I try to save people from their triggers it's not it's not actually good for them so i try to really not do that yeah yeah because it goes back to what you were talking about around sovereignty it's not only recognizing your own sovereignty but being so much in your own sovereignty that you also recognize the sovereignty in others and you can have this separation between what's yours 
and what's not yours. And I think it's yeah. difficult for most people. Mm, it is. And I think the closer the people are to me, um, the more difficult. And then there is different things where like, for example, with friends, there is sovereignty and there's also like, if a friend needs help, if a friend asks me for help, well, I'm there. And even if it's something that's been triggered between us. And sometimes with close relationship, I find it hard to navigate the space where um, if we trigger each other, where we stay sovereign and we also help each other through the ceremony and we hold space for each other. Do you know what I mean? So for example, with my partner, if we have a disagreement or a fight that, and something that we've triggered in each other, um, then being in our own sovereignty and feeling our feelings together that have been triggered by each other is sometimes really tricky. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's the hardest thing, you know? And, um, but I want to do it because I find it beautiful to, to do it together. Even yeah. when we've triggered each other, you know, but it's the really difficult um, thing to do, I find um, sometimes. Feels like this thin line between, with ownership, you know, I'm, I'm going to take ownership for what I feel. And you're going to yeah. take ownership for what you feel. Um, but, you know, also being like, I'm not going to take ownership for too much for you. And, yeah. and how can we navigate that together? I know it's the ultimate sovereignty. <laughs> it's tricky sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's been a really big journey of um, moving deeper into sovereignty and leadership and voice activation lately. And I think... California has done that a lot for me I was talking about how I use the land to activate different parts of myself and I think the US and I mean specifically LA has been very activating for my authenticity and my voice and when I say authenticity I mean my true expression in a in a crafted way let's say not necessarily in, in a raw way and I mean like playing with myself you know what I mean playing with how I express myself two things the first one how do you use the 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 place to activate this part of you and and the second one is I, I just want to point that out is you said in the beginning um your parents were like oh she's just gonna grow up and and that's mm. when you turn everything down and I really also had this feeling from you of like you have the curiosity and the innocence of a child in like the best mm -hmm. way possible of like non-attachment to like seriousness and being so strong in your ideas and just like flowing and discovering and being like oh th this is interesting I have a body <laughs> you say in the beginning I <laughs> myself in the mirror and I'm like Oh, I have a body that's strange. Let me play with that. Yeah, it's true. I love when I'm in that space of um, exploring, discovering and with innocence. And when I don't, if I have moments where I'm not curious about the world, it feels sad, you know? And I have moments like that where I drop out of it. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just feel, everything feels so sad and boring. And um, so I think curiosity is really is really driving me all right what were the questions um the land oh you said how huh? the land yeah. yeah you know I was thinking about that and I think when it started I don't know if I was doing it consciously um I, I think unconsciously at the beginning when I was younger I started moving out of France because I wanted something different. It started activating different things in me. Um, 
And it's only as I grew older that I realized, okay, I'm definitely a being who is using the land as a portal. Um, and so how, let me reflect on it. Um, Why does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, first, every time I've moved to a country, I've been very mindful to connect with local people and with the nature. Um, when I moved to Spain, to Australia, here, I've always made an effort to connect with Spanish people, with Australian people, with American people. And in Australia, I thought, I want my friends to be Australian. And so I was always making sure not to... Um, be just in the French groups because French people overseas, they usually, they have their group of French people and, and it's so much fun because you're, you're with your people and it's so easy. And I didn't want to get stuck in that because I really wanted to discover the, the people who, uh, who grew up in this new land. And, um, and I think it's because I'm also very open to cultural differences. And I know sometimes it's a tricky topic. It's like, oh, is it a cultural difference or are you being racist? Or even, even if the people are not of different races, but sometimes they're like, oh, well, you're judging. And I'm like, well, no, I'm actually really open to seeing the differences between the Australian people that I've met, um, which are not all of them, and the French people that I know and seeing how the way they were brought up was different from the way I was brought up in France and seeing the ways in which this is because of the land they grew up on you know I think there are differences based on the land you you grew up in and so in Australia for example I personally feel a lot of um, repression of the voice and I think oh, I have chills just saying it I think there was a lot of that when the country was conquered and a lot of aboriginal people were killed and also the country was built with the English sending prisoners there so even those those people coming from England, a lot of them were in that space of repression as well and not being able to express themselves. And I feel a lot of that in Australia. I find that there is quite a strong culture of consensus in Australia and of not, not wanting to be higher than someone, taller than someone, not wanting to be too ambitious. I feel like the frequency is more around consensus and ease and comfort and and it's so relaxing and so beautiful and so comfortable. And what it did for me is that this kind of a little bit of repression of the voice and of the boldness of the voice and of the opinion that we have in France. In France, people love to debate and express themselves. And, you know, like dinners in France are crazy. Like everyone is screaming their opinion and blah, 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 talking over each other, you know, <laughs> at least in my family and in a lot of others I've seen. Not all of them, but it's in a lot of them, right? Let's be honest, the revolutionary vibe. Um, and so in Australia, that was different. And that helped me go inside because this external expression wasn't the same and so it helped me go inside um, and go inside myself and find this spirituality and this inner dialogue and so I think that's partly how the Australian land really impacted me and then I also traveled to the center of Australia on Aboriginal land and oh wow it was one of the most profound experiences I've had and I don't even know how to explain it but I felt such a deeper connection to nature when I moved to Australia um yeah and I think it's impacted me and sometimes I think I don't know how because I think it's it's the energy that is in the air some I don't feel like 
sometimes I'm doing it on purpose or proactively. I feel like I'm just open to what's in the air and to letting it affect me. And then in the US, um, in California, I feel like it's such a great portal to express yourself and express your voice. I personally find that people talk a lot here, like a lot. And I have no problem saying it. I'm like, it's, it's my reality. And it's not all the people, it's the people around me. Um, people talk a lot, express themselves a lot. Every time I meet a random person, they tell me about their projects and what they want to do in life and, and, you know, and, and their life. And sometimes I call it the, um, the California monologue because it's happened to me so many times that I'd be walking in a park and some random person come, comes talk to me and they deliver a monologue about, about their life and what they do. And, and this doesn't ha hasn't happened to me much in, um, in other places. So I think I'm very open to seeing those differences um, and to letting them affect me. Yeah, I love the piece of um, you're not really doing it on purpose. You're like letting yourself be receptive and let mm. the land and the energy and the people mm. and the experience just move through you. Yeah, very much. Even here in LA, the um, or in America, it's such a it's a country of capitalism, you know. And I had I learned a big lesson of discernment from moving here. Um, in Australia, I felt like I'm a pretty trusting person, and in Australia, I felt even more I can trust everyone. I can leave my phone at a cafe. I come back tomorrow; it's there. Like you know, there isn't much um, thievery and um, and fraud, and you know and it's it's pretty comfortable in that way whereas in america uh, one day i received a call from the bank and my partner was like the bank isn't supposed to call you it could be a fraud and i was like ah, don't worry and and then i was going to go buy a car and he told me oh you have to check the reviews on yelp because so many people like sell you bad cars and i checked the reviews and there were so many car dealerships that have that had the most horrible reviews because they would sell people cars with, with like missing parts and stuff like that and so I think here I feel that there is even more scarcity than in the other countries I've lived in and so it creates behaviors in people that I have seen less of in my previous life like behaviors that are very scarcity driven of like trying to rip people off or fraud or really really trying to get by and make money in all all those ways that aren't really full of integrity and so um so yeah, it was eye-opening for me and it was a big lesson in discernment um, coming here. And then I think I let myself be affected by it in the sense that I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's get to business. Let's make money. Like if you're in LA, you might as well want to make money and be successful and share your voice. Otherwise, why are you here? Like I'm saying that to myself. I'm like, otherwise, why are you here, Mitchell? Like if I want to be chilling by the beach, and be comfortable, I'm going to go back to Bondi Beach, Australia. If I'm here in LA, it's to share my art, share my voice, be successful, because that's the best portal for that. Something that you share a lot on your social as well is like this relation to prosperity, um, mm. sharing that you're investing in cryptocurrency. And so there's, there's this aspect also of you. Um, can you lead us a little bit into that? into my relationship with money and prosperity mm -hmm. oh, it's been such it's it's been such a journey like um <laughs> man so much it's so funny because um 
I guess when I was in the corporate world, I started in investment banking, doing an internship in merger and acquisition and in um, and on a trading floor. And I didn't stay there because the hours was just horrible. Like in merger and acquisition, sometimes we'd finish at like four or five in the morning. I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't want the money or the status badly enough. I actually don't care. So I'm not going to do that. So I think I wasn't very driven by by money and then I went into consulting and I wasn't that excited about the money uh, potential and of course I cared about money because it was my way of being valued so every time I was sick of my job I was like I need a raise (laughs) you know like I'm not paid enough (laughs) you know because it was the only thing Um, it was like how you're valued Um, but I didn't have like a strong relationship with money it was one of my mentors asked me one day if money was a lover like how would you describe your relationship are you avoidant are you anxiously attached are you having a great vibe like you know are you co-creating together and I was like I guess I kind of don't care and and then I saved money to 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 go into acting so I saved all my corporate money and I went into acting and I told myself okay Mathilde you can't be doing this for the money um I'm doing this because I love it. So I created a narrative in my head that I didn't need money because then it was easier to go into acting. So I created the narrative. I don't need money. I just need money to buy food. And then I just, I can just do my art. Like my purpose is to do my art and to act. And money is just this thing that pays for food. And so what that did is that um, I made money enough to live with my acting, but I didn't make a crazy amount of money. And then I moved um, to LA and I started working on my wealth consciousness and I started uncovering a lot of beliefs I had around money that came also from my childhood. And there there was one that was, um, I had beliefs from my childhood that rich people weren't good. Like in French, oh, well, because you're French too. So the expression, um, I said often when I was a kid, the expression, gosse de riche. It means son of a rich, you know, son, son of a rich person. And sometimes with my, our friends, we'd say, oh, yeah, pff, he doesn't get anything because he's a son of a rich. Like, you know, there was the idea that like rich kids and rich people, they didn't know the real world. And they were like, Bleh. and we didn't like them because I lived like I lived in the suburbs of Paris, outside of Paris. And now we're out and we were like the suburbs people and we were like, fuck Paris. And they're all arrogant and rich and fuck them kind of thing. And so I had to uncover those beliefs and release them because I think subconsciously they were preventing me from making more money because I had this idea that rich people were all like a bunch of arrogant white racist people or something in my subconscious somewhere so I totally released that um, and started seeing the world differently and uh, yeah the last six months I did a lot of work on that and so I started yeah, I invested a little bit in crypto. It's hard. I'm trying to trade and it's hard. Um, um, <laughs> but yeah, but now I've kind of, okay, what I was trying to say is that I've released the idea of uh, I don't need to make money because now I'm really, I think there might have been a subconscious fear as well of picking a profession because of money, even though that's not, that's not what I did. I didn't go into corporate for the money, but I think I wanted to really be sure of that. So I tried to eliminate the money conversation to be sure that my intentions were pure with the art, you know? Um, and now that I've 
made my relationship with money cleaner. Now I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I'm making my art and I want to make money with it because now I feel like they're both clean. But right now, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not generating a lot of income because a lot of my acting um, projects of before COVID got canceled and they're only starting slowly again. So during COVID, I didn't generate um, a lot of income. I did the opposite. I invested a lot of the money I had in myself to like um, really trigger the next version of myself and like set myself up for when the world reopens. So it's been like a big phase of investment, actually. I want to bring another subject and then and then we can go towards the completion of this podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, the work that you do with your voice. I'm curious mm -hmm. to have your perspective on it. And um, I feel like your, your voice is really impactful and you can really bring something through your voice. There is a grounding, there is a, again this magnetic fascination in your voice can you was it always like this every time I change place my voice changes and a part of my personality changes so when I go back to France I went to France last year with my partner and I'm I'm different the way I speak is different um you know I go back more into this kind of French nonchalance a little bit like Bleh. I'm like, well, papa, arrête. like, you know, like <laughs> this kind of, I go back more into my French self, who is also like a little bit more fiery. And, uh, um, and I think when I was younger, I, I always had, um, when I was younger, it was always reflected to me that I had a strong voice and I was always like in French, oh, t'as beaucoup de caractère, which means you have a lot of character, which means like, I was always grabbing people's attention with what I was saying and, I never cared about the politically correct thing. So I was always the kid who was saying something that um, could shock people or like, or some random comment in the middle of lunch. And people were like, oh, like, she said that, <laughs> you know? Or uh, I, I had like very strong opinions when I was a kid. So I had a really strong voice in that sense, but I don't think it was grounded because I was highly hypersensitive and emotional and always trying to express it but hide it because it was too much and not knowing what to do with it um yeah and so I think when I was in Australia um I brought a lot of uh, softness and love and kindness and compassion to it and I think when I came to America I brought back I felt like before moving to America, I felt like America was going to be the place where I reintegrate a lot, like my French self and my Australian self and a little bit of the Spanish self in the middle, but integrating the, the love and the kindness and the compassion and the spiritual self of Australia and then the strength um, and the opinions of my French self and the fire that I, I put to the side a little bit when I was in Australia so that I can really fully be in my in my joy and in my kindness and not in my in my opinions I let go of all my opinions like totally and I was in a deep place of listening and being open to anything um and now I feel like I brought those two back together so it's really fun I, my voice changed over the last six months and um one of my mentors was reflecting that to me too, that in the last few months, my voice um, became more grounded. And it's also something that I worked on in acting. Um, I worked, tried to work a lot on my voice, um, especially for theater, actually. 
um, because, you know, to project and to really make the voice come uh, from my diaphragm. And f- but for film too, because then I feel like if my voice is deeper in my body, it's more connected to my emotions. And I feel like when I was younger, and in France, I feel like a lot of people, we speak more from the throat and from the, the tip of our lips. You know, we speak like at the, on the lips a little bit. And so I did some like, let's say technical, physical work to try and bring my voice more in my throat and more in my diaphragm. And it's not there yet. Like I, it's still like constricted in my throat and everything. But um, I'm also doing that technical work to, uh, to work on my voice as like an actor, a performer. Yeah, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's like you're you are your own instrument. Uh, yeah, in so many different ways. Uh, but there is definitely the the unsigned, like your voice and what it makes people feel. But there is also this energy behind it. Of yeah, it's energetically. I don't feel like it's coming from your throat only. It's like coming from your mm. boobs you know and all the way up yeah your whole system and then out yeah I feel it in my body I try to really feel um feel it to feel things to be here it makes it more fun too for me Mm. if I'm feeling it all it's just like yeah you know (laughs) and that's again that's what I love in acting like if I'm on stage or if it's a really great film performance like it's this this feeling everywhere in my body and sometimes it's um, a little bit transcendental as well if you were to meet with your younger self what would you tell her the first thing that comes to mind was like you got this you know you got this <laughs> but I'm going to try and ask myself the question in French because I've been playing with that too with um when I play with my subconscious to to play with it in English and to play with it in French because sometimes it can be different yeah no it's similar same thing yeah you got this you got this where people can find you and be part of your world and your art and come in the ceremony with you oh hell yes um i would love that um the easiest way to find me is probably instagram it's at mathilde underscore anglais so my first name and my last name uh and yeah feel free to message me and connect and then if people want to be in ceremony with me and see some of my art I have a few things I released a film that I wrote and directed and performed in I released it in May and it's on Vimeo on demand and on Amazon Prime soon and it's called the corners of your smile because I think the corners of the smile are like the cutest thing ever I love people's (laughs) smiles um and it's a love story between two women um and it's uh I think it's a beautiful story with a lot of music and it reminds it reminds me of the way life can be gray and of the ways um love and forgiveness are really important. Um sometimes not through words, but just through being. So the film shows a little bit of that. Um so have a watch if if uh if it's calling you and then at the end of uh, July, on the 30th of July, I'm going to be published in a book called Caged No More. Um, and I share a lot of my story. And it was written with another 15 women who share their stories of liberation. So it's a really powerful book with a really potent 
energy of sisterhood behind it. And it was, oh, it was such a ceremony to write it. So I think, I hope people can feel it. Um, there's a lot of medicine from a bunch of different women in it. It will be on Kindle US and then um, in paperback later in August, I think. And then last thing uh, on August the 8th, it's a Leo new moon and I'm really seeing a song and a music video. And I'm like, mm. it's the 8-8, it's the double eight, and it's a Leo new moon, Leo the performer. So I'm like, there is no better day to release it. Um, and so for that, you can same head over to my Instagram or Spotify or YouTube actually for the music video. And yeah, I love this project. It's still in the making. It talks about an ethereal spirit being embodied in the earth, connecting with nature and creating beauty through their art. And yeah, I'm really excited by it. So hope to see you there. Thank you so much for your presence, for your stories and everything you shared and the medicine you gave us today in this podcast and to anyone that will listen to it and also take home whatever they need thank you so much mm. thank you for having me thank you so much and thank you for your reflections and all your curiosity and your questions and for opening that space that was really fun I loved it mm, you're so welcome <laughs> <laughs> and to everyone uh, have a beautiful rest of your day have a beautiful day everyone Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more free resources, online courses, spiritual events, coaching containers, and deep initiation work, visit my website and let's connect on Instagram. 